train your brain. Your flesh wants to do some things. Your spirit wants to do other things. And it is your mind, which often is called the battleground. Your brain makes the ultimate decision on what you're going to do. Which side am I going to sleep on tonight? Which television show am I going to watch? How much of this pie am I going to eat? Your brain will make the final decision. So we've got to ask the Holy Spirit to continue to train our brains. I've noticed, you know, we're all social media and tech savvy. We use our phones for so many things, so many things. But I notice that when I go to type and just like you go to wish somebody happy birthday on Facebook or whatever. But whenever I put the letter G and the letter O on my phone, it automatically capitalizes the G and it adds a D because it knows I'm about to spell God. And these are the things that we have to learn to train our brain that when we start going in a certain direction, it automatically knows this is what God wants you to do. Not our will. His will be done. Very familiar passage of scripture. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 6. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 6. And I believe I'm using the King, New King James Version. It says what? Train up a child in the way that he or she should go. When we say he, we're not always talking about men. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. So why am I talking about training up a child? Because there are areas in our lives that are still in their infancy. We might be great givers, but we're very poor at forgiving. We might be good at giving, but we're poor at forgiving. We may not, we may be the type of people that when we get on the road, I don't care if you put your signal on or not, you are not getting my lane. You go to the back of the line. Or you wait your turn. Let somebody else let you in. You may have a hard time explaining and expressing yourself to other people. We all have areas in our lives that we say, well, you know, I'm 38 or I'm 40 years old. I'm 25. But we are still so immature in certain areas of our lives. And we're need, we need to ask the Holy Spirit, help me to mature in that area. Help me to mature in that area because I want to be good and clean all the way across the board. If you ever look to buy a product or go to a restaurant and it'll have the reviews, sometimes you'll see like a 90, a 20, I mean, excuse me, a 90, a 80, a 75, but you wonder why is there that one low mark and it makes you want to investigate that. So where are the low marks in our lives? What is it and what is it and why is it that we continue To fall short in these areas. Why do we lack? Why do we lack growth in so many areas of our lives? And I won't say everything. But why do we lack or why do we experience the lack of growth in our lives? As you all know, and Pastor Wendy has said it, she had to have uh, surgery on her arm to to repair a tendon. What they basically said was a torn bicep. So hence, I didn't do this. Hey, what stays in Chesapeake? What happens in Chesapeake? <laughs> but Pastor Wendy, the, ver- the very first, let's say, 48 to 72 hours was very, very difficult for her. She had to sleep, in a, she had to sleep sitting up in a, um, in a recliner. She has to keep her arm immobile. And the doctor said, look. Whatever you do, do not let the pain come. You need to stay ahead of the pain. If you have to set your alarm clock, and we literally one morning had to set the alarm for 3.30 in the morning so I could get up, give her something to eat, and give her her pain, or give her her medications to stay ahead of the pain management. Now, after a while, the cast that she was wearing began to irritate her arm. So we went back to the doctor's office and He's saying, all right, I need you to do this. Okay, move your arm. And then they had to cut the cast off. It was a very painful process for Pastor Wendy. However, the thing about it is Pastor Wendy generally does not like to eat breakfast. She'll go till 10, 11 o'clock before she'll eat anything. And that's her preference. But when she has to be on a regimen of taking pain medications, she has to eat. 
So when the doctor's moving her arm, guess what? She has no pain medication in her system. So it is very, very, very painful. And where she was at day, probably day five or six, now she's back at day one. We have not, none of us in here, I believe, have ever been a stuntman in Hollywood. None of us have ever played professional football to where you're taking hits that could cause a concussion. So we are not trained for pain. We are not trained for pain. Anybody here trained for that kind of physical pain? Okay, Richard is. Because of the job that he used to do. But pain is going to come in your life. But are we training our brain for our pain? Are we training our brain for our pain? And pain is going to come in your life. Physically, emotionally, financially, spiritually, pain is going to come in your life. And we can't ask God to take the pain away. Because Jesus even said, Lord, if it be your will, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Let this cup pass from me. Lord, if it be your will, can, it, can we just have like a six-day week? Can we just get away from Mondays? Can, we, can you take Mondays off the calendar? It's not going to happen. And so we've got to train ourselves for pain. We need to ask the Holy Spirit. Can I get the next slide up there? We need the Holy Spirit to teach us everything, including to how to avoid the pain of poor choices. That's where a lot of our pain comes from, is our poor choices. It's not what, what's inflicted on us as much as, and, and we can't say that's not going to happen. But we often make very poor choices. I know at least two people right now that it took about, and I won't say how long, but it took one night of passion and it cost them 18 years. A very poor choice. A very poor choice. And everyone in here is human. Every one of us have had those feelings and and they come upon us. And I don't care how much we want to, how good it feels, it is a poor choice. It is a very poor choice. I've had plenty to drink in my life. I started drinking when I was about 10 years old. Yes, I did. And I, and I quit drinking when I turned 18, the legal age back in 1979. When I turned the legal age, and I could drink all through high school because my birthday was in November. So all through high school, I was drinking legally. I didn't drink and go to school. No, I didn't do that. But on Fridays and Saturdays, I drank. But I never drank and got behind the wheel of the car until I was in my 30s. And I I guarantee you, I probably drove from here to that traffic light right down the street. And I thought every cop in the city was right behind me. I was so paranoid. And that was a very poor choice. And all it would have taken was one DUI and my military career would have been completely over. So it's not so much, Lord, take this pain away from me. It's like, Lord, help me to not make poor choices. And then I can, I can circumvent, I can go around, I can completely get away from this type of pain. There are three areas in our lives that I want us to look at momentarily. What is right? What is wrong? And what I don't know. Let's say those together. What is right? What is wrong? And what I don't know. And no no one in here knows everything. No one in here knows everything. No more than the Holy Spirit who's with us. And we're asking him today to do what? To train our brains. To train our brains. So let's talk about some of the things we know are right. Some of the things that are right. I'm married. So guess what? I can't hang out all night. And, and even if I wasn't married, I'm not going to hang out all night. And I've told people before, if you ever hear about me getting shot at 2 o'clock in the morning, somebody broke in my house and killed me in my bed. I mean, honestly. And, and they'll look at my dead body there and it's like, well, what's that coming out of his mouth? Is that blood? No, it's drool. <laughs> and unfortunately, the poor choices that a lot of us 
are making, especially our young people, is they're hanging out at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. If your job requires you to do that, or if the Lord so say it, and we, and we are all slain in the spirit in this service, and we don't get out of here till 2 o'clock in the morning, then I guarantee you God's going to take care of us. But it's like, hey, man, and then any of us who have ever been out to the club, we know the party don't start to around 11, 1130. But that's a very poor choice. But as a married man, I have no business when I have a wife at home that I need to be hanging out all night, especially with single people. That's. All y'all can say amen, but. Something else is right. Helping others without expectations. If you're doing something so that someone can do for you, you're doing it for the wrong reason. And it's not so much that you can't return that to someone else. But Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, if you love those that love you, what reward do you have? Well, it's my turn to treat. All right, then it's your turn to treat. Then it's my turn to treat. Then it's your turn to treat. You're not doing anything but passing money. But if the only reason you do something is so that you can have a favor return, no. Now, there is the law of sowing and reaping. I'm going to sow into someone else's life so that later someone will sow into mine. And something I learned and it's hard to do is somebody says, hey, can you give me a ride somewhere? It's like, yeah. And then when they go to get out of the car, it's like, hey, let me give you a couple of dollars for gas. And you go, no, 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 that's all right. I'm good. That person is sowing a seed. And you're saying... I'm not going to let you sow a seed because if you, you can't get grass if you don't sow a seed. And I know sometimes it's hard for you, like, you know, I'm good, I'm good. And it's like, no, let them sow that seed. Not saying that you graciously, you can take that money and go give it to somebody else. You don't have to put gas in your tank. You can take that seed and sow it into someone else's life. But don't do things saying, well, you remember that time I did for you? Remember? Oh, oh, so you don't know me now? Next slide. What's wrong? Five minutes late for work is still late. Five minutes late for work is still, you're still late. It's no different, you know, when I was working, it was no different if, if they say be there at 7 o'clock, and it used to be in the old days, 7 o'clock was start time, you had to be there by 6. If you showed up at 7 o'clock, and many people say, if you're on time, you're late. If you are on time, you're late. A barely red light is still red. That's wrong. I don't care. I don't care if you're on this side of the intersection and you proceed through or it turns red right when you go underneath it. A red light is still red, and the camera don't care. But what about the things that I don't know? Who are my friends? You ever meet someone and then you see them maybe like three days later? And I mean, you're just like, hey, you know, hi, yeah, you know, so, yeah, okay. And you see them three days later, it's like, hey, everybody, this is my friend Tom. It's like, when do we become friends? <laughs> and I'm very careful about who I call friends. Not so much that, you know, you can't get in my inner circle, but I don't want to offend anyone else by assuming that I have met your standards for friendship. And where a lot of people, on the other hand, make a lot, make this mistake, and I've heard it time and time again, is they'll say, you know, I, don't, I only got a free friends. I, I only have a very few friends. Oh, really? Yeah. But, but Jesus only had 12 disciples. Really? So you only have 12 friends. For those of you who are taking notes, remember I told you 4321? 4321. If you want to know why you were created, you were created to praise God. Isaiah 4, 3, 2, 1. Y'all, y'all are going to remember this number, 666. Remember this number if you're taking notes, 666. John chapter 6, verse 66. Jesus was telling them and teaching them that he was the bread of life. And it says that they could no longer, and I'm paraphrasing, they could no longer accept what he was teaching. And from that point on, many of his disciples never followed him again. Many of his disciples, it did not say the 12, many of his disciples never followed him again. So don't say, well, I only have a few friends because Jesus only had a few disciples. No, Jesus had many disciples. 
It's only 12 that we know that were named. But we've got to train our brain to be friendly with people and to choose the right friends. To choose the right friends. When I see someone wants to friend me on Facebook, if I don't already know them, like, who is this person? I go to their page and I see who their friends are. I check them out. And I mean, you can't control who all your friends are and what all your friends and friends do. But when I see something that triggers a red flag, then, you know, and it's not that anybody's beating my door down and I'm being bombarded with friend requests. But when I do get them, I check them out. But what am I doing with my money? What does your money say about you? If your money had to go and speak, go to court and make a speech on your behalf because whatever your money says about you could mean either jail time or being exonerated. And your money stands before the judge and says, I'm being abused. They don't take care of me. You know, I might be just sitting in your wallet, but I do have interest. Somebody caught that. (laughs) I do have interest. And if you do the right thing with me, I will gain interest. The more you let me do what I'm designed to do, I will draw interest. I can do more things than just sit in your wallet or sit in your closet or sit in your driveway. There's some things we know are right, some things are wrong, and some things we just don't know about. But that's why we're here today, so we can train our brains. If I keep going the way that I'm going in my life, where am I going to end up? Now, break your life down. Where's your money? Where are your friends? Where's your job? Where's your health? If we keep going in the direction we're going, where are we going to end up? Let me have that ball, please. You can just. Thank you. Don't don't we tell the kids don't throw anything. (laughs) No, I told them to throw it to me. Now, let's just let's just take this as an example. This ball has three hundred and sixty degrees on. it. All right. We'll just say it has three hundred sixty degrees. God puts you at a place here. Let's say and I want you to go east. So you say, all right, Lord, I'm going to go east. And so you start going and God's saying, no, I didn't tell you to go that way. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. So let's just start back over with. The Lord says, I want you to go east. So you start going. And you go on the journey that God tells you to go. Amen. If he tells you to go east, you go east. If God says, I want you to go south, then you go on your journey and you go south. And you go the full way. And it's easy to go in one direction. Some people have a special anointing that you don't necessarily go north or east. God may say, I want you to go northeast. But whatever track God puts you on, God's saying, I need you to go on the way that I sent you. Train yourself because this is the course I have laid for you. We have the Wilmots here together. Tom, your journey is not the same as your wife's. You are one, but what you're called to do, she is not called to do, and vice versa. You may be one. It doesn't matter what your children are doing. You have your course, and they have yours. They have theirs. Some people go, there's even not only northeast, but there's a north-northeast. If any of you do anything, know anything about directions, it's not always just that one way. But where we get into a, a, get ourselves into a real bond, because 360 degrees and it's not that God's saying I want you to go in circles but God is saying I need you to complete the course that I have set you on so God says all right I need you to go which way do you want me to go Lord I want you to go south or better yet the Lord says I want you to go east so you start going east and then you end up right back at the same spot but did you complete the journey Again, the Lord says go east, and what do you do? You take a shortcut. You're saying, Lord, but this way, if I go this way, you know how long it's going to take me to go that full circle? And God's saying, but you, 
You don't understand what I'm trying to teach you. You don't understand the things that you need to see. You don't understand whose lives I need you to affect. But we want to take the shortcut and just do this little teeny loop and come back and say, all right, Lord, I'm ready for my next assignment. You never finished your first assignment. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when the Lord tells you to go east, and I know this from being in the army, when the Lord gives you a direction to go in, you know, it's easy for them to say, all right, I need you to go east. And you take your compass and you start walking and all of a sudden there's a tree in front of you. And so you go around the tree and then you go through a creek and then you come up out of the creek and you're like, well, I'm still headed east. But this is where I started off at. If I keep going in this direction headed east, I will reach my destination. If I turn and go through the creek bed and over the mountain and through the hill and I keep going east this way, I will never get to where God wants me to go. So what you're taught to do when you do land navigation is you look in the distance and you find a landmark. You find a place that you're supposed to be. So when you come out of the creek bed, well, guess what? There's my landmark over there. And you make your adjustment and you keep going. Don't set your sights on directly what is in front of you. You've got to look to the hills and find your landmark. You've got to look to the hills. I hope we're, we're learning something on today. Because these are the things that the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm here to show you. I'm here to tell you, but you've got to ask me. You've got to ask me. I want to ask right now. Just by the way of a question, and please, you don't have to raise your hand. How many of you want to be missionaries, evangelists, preachers, and ministers? And you want to do more things than just come here every day. You want God to take you to another level. And if that's what you want to do, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. But if you want to be a missionary because, oh man, I want to go to Africa. I want to go to the Middle East. I want to be an evangelist, man, because you know something? You call the church up and say, hey, put me in this hotel, and I want to make sure y'all give me a fruit basket, and I want some Dasani water. If you want to do ministry because it benefits you, you're doing it for the wrong reason. If you want to do ministry because you think that there are so many benefits of doing ministry, physical, tangible benefits, you're doing it for the wrong reason. And I'll say this, some want to do ministry because of the benefits. If you want benefits, get a job. And I'm not talking about, you know, just the you know, health benefits. But if those are the benefits you want, then don't look to ministry to get them. Don't look to God to pad you and give you things that, I mean, think about Paul and think about Jesus. They had to walk everywhere they had to go. Amen? All right. The Spirit is going to show us whichever direction that we need to go. Even though we don't know how long it's going to take to get there, I use the illustration with the ball 360 degrees. It might be 365 days. It might be 730 days, two years. It might be five, six, seven years. But we have to be careful while we're waiting that what our confession is. We can ask people, Lord, we can ask God, Lord, change this situation. Lord, I know that you are the only one that can do it. You're the only one who can fix it. But then we talk and we say, you know something, they ain't never going to change. Wow, really? So we don't even believe what we ask God to do. You know, it, it's, it's like a, a, a defense lawyer going to, some, going to court for somebody, and that's their job. I'm your defense attorney. But at some point, he has to believe that you're innocent. Otherwise, it's very difficult for him to defend you. And maybe he's just doing it for the paycheck. I don't know. And that's not my field of expertise. But if you are not going to properly petition on someone else's behalf, then don't petition for them at all. 
John 14, we read this last week, John chapter 14, verse 26. When we're talking about training our brain. As Jesus was talking to his disciples, and I'll go ahead and, is it not up there? Okay. Um, it says, but the helper, yeah, and I, more I think about it, I didn't put it in there. My apologies. But the helper whom the Holy, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance the things that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit will teach us all things and bring to your remembrance whatsoever I have taught you. Again, going back to Pastor Wendy. Over the years since we've been married, she's had a few surgeries. And so taking care of her is nothing new. And it's something that, you know, in our wedding vows, for better and for worse. And after about two or three days, I found myself getting an attitude. I really found myself getting an attitude. Did she know it? Maybe she did, maybe she didn't. But I'll say she didn't. But because the Holy Spirit pricked my heart saying, what did she do to you that you were getting offended? She's in pain. She doesn't have full mobility and use of her arm. For a certain, to a certain extent, she's handicapped. She is relying on you to help her do these things that she cannot do for yourself. Why are you upset with her? And I went to her. I opened my mouth and said, I apologize for my attitude towards you. I apologize. It was my attitude that was wrong. So in training our brain, we have to ask ourselves, who is it that we're upset with? Because they can't do what we can do. Has anyone, you ever seen someone say, hey, look, can you show me how to do this? And what do they do? Psh, just get out of the way. Let me, let me just show you. Why are you upset? Because they don't know. Why are you upset? Because they don't know. Because there's many things. Y'all know Pastor Wendy is, is, is uh, tech savvy, computer savvy. And there are times when I was like, show me how to do it. She'll say, she'll say you know something? It would be easier if I just get on the computer and do it myself. And I'm okay with that. But she doesn't just get an attitude. She's trying to teach me. And then there are times I'll say, let me do it so I'll know. So I don't have to ask you to come in here anymore. But we cannot get upset with people because... They don't know the scriptures that you know. They don't have the job that you have. They don't live in your neighborhood. They don't look like you look. We can't be upset with people because they're not like us. Because as the old saying, who died and made you king? Who died and made you king? And this goes back to training up. In the way that they should go. A long time ago, back in the 80s, I remember taking this class, this course, and it was talking about disciplining children. And it says, if your child walks in one day, it's like, hey, how was school? And they go, oh, it was bleak good. <laughs> how many parents, the first thing, oh, you reach for the belt. And it's like, no, that's going to take too long. So you just rear back. And you pop them one good time and say, you don't ever say those words in this house. But did you ever teach them that those words aren't right? You assume that they knew those words were wrong. Because they say them, in the, they say them at Walmart. They say them in the movies. They say it on TV. And those filters, even on TV, are going away. Those filters are going away. So when your children say things and do things that we say are wrong, we have to ask ourselves, first of all, where did they get it from? And did I first tell them, you don't say these words? Now, that doesn't mean you go home and you write out all these words like, you see this word here? Okay, now, let's pronounce it correctly. Now, don't say that word. <laughs> but if they say it, I mean, you can't sh we can't shield our kids from everything. But we have to teach them. We have to be proactive. The same way that Jesus is proactive with us. And the Holy Spirit saying, whatever, whatever Jesus taught you, 
I'm going to bring it back to you. Remember, so when we get ready to do the things we shouldn't do, the Holy Spirit will say, you remember, remember when you were listening to uh, Joyce Meyer the other day? Remember she talked about this? So now you're going to go ahead and do it anyway? You know, those, those things that we know we shouldn't be doing and we say, I'm going to go ahead and do this anyway. My attitude towards Pastor Wendy was completely wrong. And we need to continue to ask the Holy Spirit, train my brain. Train my brain. Because your brain is the battleground. And if there is no word in your brain, because the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your what? Your mind. So if we don't train our brain and put that information in there, you're wondering, where is that document on your computer? You even went into the search column and your computer's like, don't ask me. I'm sitting here looking at Thomas like, why isn't that scripture coming up? Because guess what? I didn't put it in. I didn't put it in there. Don't, don't, don't go there. But if it's not in there, it can't come out of you. If it's not in there, it can't come out. Let's go to Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Beginning at verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, capital S, the things of the Spirit. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Let's stop there. To be carnally minded. To be carnally minded. What is carnal minded? Flesh. Y'all ever heard, and, and I haven't heard of this dish in, a, in many years, chili con carne. You've heard of that? It's a dish that has a lot of meat in it. So when you say someone is meat-headed, it's, they're, they're just thinking carnally. You're not thinking about the spiritual things. We're thinking about the things that please us. And we, we knew Mother Parson. And Mother Parson had a way about her. And she would, she would pull you off to the side and tell you, you shouldn't do that. She would pull you to the side and say, you shouldn't do that. You know, you, you really shouldn't have that on. But mother, it looks, no. No, it don't look good on you. <laughs> it look good in the store. <laughs> but it don't look good on you. It look good on Beyonce. It look good on Denzel. Or maybe uh, Dwayne Wade or LeBron. But it don't look good on you. So we've got to learn how to think spiritually. No matter how good it feels, and, and we, think it's, we think it's a victimless crime. To think certain thoughts is a victim. I, I can do what I want to. But think of, think of the Holy Spirit as saying, okay, I need you like a baby. A baby has a, a bottle filled with, with uh, formula. And you know the doctor saying this baby should drink three ounces Three ounces of the milk or the Similac or whatever it is you're giving. They need to drink th three ounces. But if the baby decides that it no longer wants to suck that bottle, how much more time are you spending with the baby until the baby drinks the full, floor, full three ounces? And the Holy Spirit saying, I'm trying to feed you. I'm trying to feed you. You need to drink this formula. And you're saying, no, I want to think about this right now. And the Holy Spirit's got all the time in the world, but at a time when we should be eating meat, he's still giving us the milk. At a time we should be eating milk, meat, we still drinking the milk. And even the milk, we don't want it. We don't want it. Yeah, you have to be forceful with it. Next verse. Because a carnal mind is enmity, it is opposing. It is completely against God, for it is not the subject, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. 
And when it's saying those who are in the flesh, even those who think fleshly thoughts in the mind, just step off to the side and know that you're not pleasing God. Don't stand in anyone else's way. Let the flow go. But when we see other people being blessed, and I'm telling you as a pastor, and I was like, well, what are they doing that I'm not doing? What are they doing that I'm not doing? Because we all, all of us compare ourselves to other people, don't we? All of us compare, Lord, and I still haven't gotten an answer. Why do I have freckles? Why do I have freckles? No, I'm still waiting. We compare ourselves to each other. But while other people are being blessed, we can think back, well, you know something? When I should have been in my word, I was in front of the TV. I was on the computer. I was working on my car. I was washing clothes and I was doing all those other things that really could have waited because trust me, when you get up first thing in the morning, you're like, I'm going to get in my word until you walk by the washing machine. You're like, well, I'm going to go ahead and separate these clothes real quick. Get a load started, you know, get ahead of the game. Let me go ahead and take this meat out the freezer so it can start on thawing. You know, let me get my coffee and. And I'm going to leave that alone. So what does it mean to be in the flesh? Does it mean going 60 miles an hour in a 55 mile an hour zone? Does it mean in my house there's that much Kool-Aid left in the pitcher? And you know if you drink the last bit of that Kool-Aid, you got to make another pitcher so you don't touch the Kool-Aid. Is that being carnally minded? No. Those are small things, and and trust me, you know, leaving the cap off the toothpaste, I mean, all those little isms and schisms that we do. But I don't think any of us stay awake all night because, you know, we went 58 or, you know, 55 in a 50-mile-an-hour zone. Not saying that they're right. But it's more things, it's deeper things than that. What are our actions saying about us? If someone who doesn't go to church can look at you and ask, why are you doing that? If they have to question our actions and we continue to do them, then what is God saying about us? What is God saying about us? Let me go ahead and fast forward. Every single day we're filled is filled with choices. And some are going to be easier than others. And some have greater consequences, as I said earlier. We have to learn to ask God to help us with the small things. Lord, I pray I get a good parking space. Anybody ever pray the parking space prayer? Ask God for the small things and you begin to say, you know, Lord, I just pray that when I go to Walmart, it's not crowded. You know, Lord, I, I just pray, and, and honestly, I know it's the first of the month. I pray that when I go in Walmart that I just have a good time. You know, Lord, help me maintain, because you can't avoid all the crowds. You can't avoid all the traffic. But when we see God do things in the small areas of our lives, then we can move on to the big things. When you say, Lord, I believe you that by this time tomorrow there will be an abundance of finances in my checking account. And when God don't come through, somehow or another we think God has failed us. When you haven't helped anyone, you haven't given to anyone, you haven't given tithes, you haven't given offerings, you haven't helped anyone in your life, not even a co-worker. But we expect God to just bless us. And one of the hardest things we have to ask the Holy Spirit is, show me myself. Show me myself. Lord, show me the small things in my life that I need to do better. Show me the small things. Lord, do I irritate people? Do I get on people's nerves? When I walk into a room, do I lighten it up or does it get dark? When you walk up to two people 
and they're facing each other. When you walk up to them, they kind of like turn their backs to you. These are the things we need to be asking the Holy Spirit. Lord, train my brain. So I, I, I want you to know this. If you enjoy everything. Can I get that? I know that's in there. If you enjoy everything you're doing, there's a good possibility you're not making choices. If you enjoy everything you're doing from the time that you wake up in the morning till the time you go to bed, nothing upsets you. You can't wait to get out the house. You just going to go bake some cookies. You're going to go by the nursing home. You're going to go to the petting zoo. You're going to go and read to the children at the school. And then you're going to come back home, make dinner, and you're just going to go to bed. And every day of your life is just so good and so grand. You're not making any choices. You're not asking God, Lord, what can I do to help someone else? That doesn't require me leaving my house or picking up the phone. We don't want God to put us in the hard place. We don't. And I'm not saying you don't want to leave the house, but we don't want to leave our comfort zone. We don't. We've got to ask God to help us. Now I've got two points and then I'll be done. My first point is this. What is your morning mindset? My daily duty. What is our morning mindset? And I'm not telling you, well, I want you to say this scripture every morning when you get up. Because if you already have a routine, you already have a scripture that you read, fine. But this should be our mindset. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, if anyone desires if you even desire to come after me, not when you follow me, but even if you desire to come after me, let them deny himself. Take up his cross when? How often? Not on Sundays, not on Thursdays, not on payday. Lord, let that, let that overtime, let that bonus be in my check. But I asked you yesterday, I asked you last week just to pick up your cross. And you wouldn't pick up your cross. And now you want, you want all of this from me. God is saying, pick, pick, Jesus said, pick up your cross daily. We as a church body here at Open Altar, and I know you of social media may not know this, but we have all experienced a lot of hurt, a lot of pain recently. A lot of pain. And at one point, Pastor Wynn and I are saying, you know, we don't want to hear any more bad news. But guess what? We don't have a choice. You know, it was it was one thing when we first started watching the news a week ago on Friday. We started watching the news. And it was the gunman was apprehended and four people were wounded. The gunman was apprehended and four people were wounded. And it went from four people wounded to 12 people dead, just like that. We can't get away from the pain. We cannot get away from pain. But what we have to do as a family is we have to share this pain. You know, you have a big log, a big, huge log, and we've got to move it from one place to another. Don't stand in the middle. You got two people that's six feet tall. And you're only five feet tall, and you're like, well, I'll get in the middle. No. We'll say, oh, you know, I'm doing my part. Hey, I'll hold the door open for you. No, we need you to help carry the load. There's nothing anyone can do to stop what we're dealing with. Because guess what? Even as it's happening now, it's going to happen again. My second point, and I'm almost, um, this is it. Our daily duty in the morning is to pick up our cross daily. But also, before we go to bed at night, what have I accomplished today? What is at the evening's end? When you laid your head down last night, because it hasn't, today hasn't ended. When you laid your head down last night and you went to sleep, could you say that you accomplished something yesterday? 
You know, some some days and everybody has them. Everybody has those days. It's like, you know something? I didn't get nothing done today. And it's one thing to take a sabbatical to say, I need a day of rest. And that's good because even God rested after he created the earth. But when we get so flustered, you start off doing one thing, you get sidetracked and you're doing another. And then before you know it, you're doing another thing. And then you're doing something else and you're going to bed saying, I didn't get anything done today. Why? Did we say Holy Spirit? These are the things that I need to do today, but I need you to direct my steps. And as a matter of fact, this is what's on my agenda, but I need to take a peep at your agenda. I need to see what you have planned for me today. Oh, I didn't hear anything, so I'm good. No, wait. In fact, before we go to bed the night before, Lord, whatever you have in store for me tomorrow, I pray that your will be done. And we've got to train our brain. Train our brain. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That each one must receive the things done in the body. We must all appear before the judgment seat. Brother Tom and I were talking and and we were listening. I'm I'm not going to mention the the person's name, but they did a, a teaching on faith. And it said that when you pray in Philippians, it says that that with all prayer and petitions and supplications, with thanksgiving and this 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 pastor was saying that when you pray and you pray in faith because we know we'll say you know lord you know i pray that you heal my frog heal my frog because you know i love that frog me and that frog been together for the longest time you know you got a pet frog you know good you got a cat you got a dog you have a loved one and we're praying for healing in their life And then three days later, we're saying, Lord, heal my frog, heal my brother. When we pray from that point forth, once you pray in faith, give God thanks after that. Don't go back and ask God because God heard you the first time. God heard you the first time. Everything after that is with thanksgiving. Lord, thank you. I believe that my healing is coming. Father, I thank you that you heard me when I prayed. Don't go back and recount. Don't take back what you've already said. Because if you ever fill out an application, and I've never seen it happen, but you'll put on the application, they'll say, you know, have you ever been convicted of this? Or have you ever, you know been incarcerated have you ever had any moving violations in the last three years and i've heard it happen too many times you're out there working on the job man you're like man i'm getting a paycheck and i like working outdoors and i'm doing what i want to do and somebody taps you on the shoulder and says come here i need to talk to you remember that application you filled out and you said that you didn't do this well we did a little bit further digging randomly we did this and found out this is not true so we're going to ask you to turn in your keys Take your tools back to the office and leave the premises. So when we go to God and we're saying, Lord, I repent of what I did or Lord, I'm asking you to bless me. Don't take back and don't lie to God because God already knows. So the scripture says that everything we're going to be we're going to stand in the judgment seat of Christ. And this judgment seat, this judgment seat is not for the sinners. Who is the scripture written to? It's written to believers. It's not the same judgment that we're thinking about in Revelation. That we will see the things done in our bodies according to what we have done, whether good or bad. You will receive a reward for the things that you have done in your body. Yesterday, did you look in the mirror? And I know I didn't. But could you look in the mirror yesterday before you went to bed bed and say, I did everything that God asked me to do. I was obedient in everything the Lord told me to do. So in the morning, we need to stand up and say, Lord, today I'm going to pick up my cross and follow you. And at the end of the day, we can say, Lord, 
If I were to be judged now, I have done everything you've asked me to do. Starting from this point forward, we can't change what happened yesterday. We can't change. I don't care how much. And I'll tell this story and I'm done. Years ago, back, way back in the 90s, somebody asked me, here, I'm going out of town, here are the keys to my car. All I'm asking you to do is, you can drive it if you want to, you can drive your own car. All I'm asking you to do is, when I come back, pick me up at the airport. I went to the airport, the flight was delayed. What did I do? Instead of waiting at the airport, I went back home, overslept. And I got a tongue lashing. And that bothers me. Even to the day, I'm like, that was so stupid of you. But I can't change that. And I'm not saying to hold on to it. I'm not trying to justify. But sometimes we think about things like, why did I do that? The pain of poor choices. The pain of poor choices that we have made. But I can't change. Jesus, you know, in the Old Testament, the sun stood still for what was it? How long? Well, huh? It stood still. But time was never turned back. Time, God never stopped time. God never turned, I mean, God never turned time back. So whatever has happened, has happened, and we can't change that. But from this point forward, we have to learn to train our brains. Amen? Hallelujah. I hope you all got something out of this today. That we've got to change the way we think. And when you don't know, when you don't know, We've got to ask God, help me, Lord. Because if it concerns you, I don't care what it is. The only thing that that God is not concerned about is what other people think about you. It's like, Lord, I want to know what they think about me. Are you doing what I asked you to do? Then don't worry about what other people think of you. Do what God tells you to do. And at the end of the day, we can put our heads down and saying, Lord, if you come, if you require my soul of me, I'm ready. Thank you all so much who have watched this message. No matter how many times you may read a scripture, it may not pop out at you. You may not get what you think you should get out of it. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says... To ask God for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So when you study the word of God, you may not get it all at one time. But this walk that we walk, it's not going to happen overnight. But don't be discouraged. Don't look at other people and say that you need to be where they are. Even as much as we want to compare ourselves to other people. But walk the walk that God told you to walk. Go into the direction that he gives you and follow your assignment according to his purpose and his will. And you will see the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit moving your life. We ask now that if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, ask him, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins and I will live for you. From this day and forever. In Jesus name. Amen. Hallelujah.